Hello listeners, uh, just a little intro to this week's episode, or this month's episode as it's been going lately. Uh, I just wanted to share that this one's a little more on the lightly edited side, uh, just due to time with COVID-19 going on, not as much time to edit, so uh, you'll, I don't think it'll bother anybody, but you'll hear my, my AC a little bit, in fact it's going on right now, because it's really hot right now, it's summer, and you might hear some typing and stuff, I, I don't think it'll bother you too much, uh, and um I also wanted to share that we talk about Barnes & Noble after we talk about the September 2020 releases, and at the time we recorded, which was last weekend, we thought that there wasn't going to be a sale. We'd seen a report. Um, we're still kind of up in the air on that. Uh, there's been some social media reports from employees about potentially the sale starting on August, um, yeah, July 10th, actually. Not verified yet, so we'll be curious what happens. Uh, just. So, you know, I still think the conversation is valid, whether Barnes & Noble is going to be something we can rely on. So I hope you enjoy. And speaking of enjoy, uh, I really hope you stick to the end to hear uh, the Spike Lee conversation. We, we kind of w- went down a rabbit hole, kind of a digression. Uh, Will was amazing. Uh, loved his take. And, and, and we had Brad as well. I, in fact, I, I'd said earlier in the group that I think this is Will and Brad's best uh, um, best appearances on this episode. So enjoy. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Wear a mask. You have to pay, and it's kind of a whole ordeal. So we've been kind of, like, watching TV shows. Like, we're watching, like, Ozark, because it's just, like, an hour and you're done kind of thing, where sometimes, you know, movies are kind of a bit more of an investment. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. But we're trying to get, hopefully, like, once we get settled and stuff and back into the swing of things, I can up those numbers again. <laughs> You know, we we were um, we started Ozark. We watched two episodes and kind of weren't digging it. But you know, in the two episodes is way too early. So would you recommend us power forward? Um. So I, I I would like for me Ozark is like really good potato chips. I mean, there's not really. I mean, <laughs> we're we're halfway yeah. through the second season. I heard the third season's amazing, but okay. it's like it's good. It's like there's some you know weak elements to it, but like. It's it's very entertaining and like solidly done and you know it's like it's clickbait kind of stuff right you sure. want to know what happens next so so it's pretty good. All right, well, what's the? Well, no, I, I was going to get into movies we watch, but I think we'll have lots of time for that. Uh, let's talk about some Criterion. Um, it's been let's do been a month ish, <laughs> and that, that's one thing. So my situation, I've um. Uh, I, I'm working and I'm doing a lot of volunteer stuff, nonprofit stuff, so that's uh, kind of hit, hit my time a little bit. So, would like to do more of these. I think next month we're going to do two because I think we're going to do a best of the year so far later in the month, and then we'll do something regarding the releases. I, I just wanted to give uh, a, just a little housekeeping. So, there's a Masters of Cinema episode that is in the can, and it's now about, I don't know, at least a month old, maybe two. So, I had uh, David Seeley from uh, the UK. And uh, well, Canada and the UK. So, and then I had um, Mark Kearney join me for that. Uh, so probably by the time it goes up, I'm hoping soon. I'm ho- hoping I get to it. Those take a little time to edit. Um, it'll be a little outdated. So, um, so keep an eye out for that. That'll probably be before the next now episode, but not be. You know, it'll be after this one, obviously, or it would kind of de- defeat the purpose to talk about it now. Um, so Criterion, uh, I, I got. Uh, rightfully made fun of for saying uh, it's such a great year for Criterion so far and I think I forget who it was but um, Aaron West is the first person to call 2020 a great year 
<laughs> but for Criterion, it's a great year. So I'll just forget about everything else and and focus <laughs> on this for now. It's so, just perspective. It's a matter of perspective. <laughs> it is, and and I, I got to be honest with you. You know, we need you know we need some some outlets, and uh, they're delivering. I'm very very happy that they're working and firing on all cylinders, and uh, giving me precious content to um, devour. Which I that's one thing I'm consistently doing is watching my <laughs> Criterion's. So September 2020 announcements uh, were a lot of surprises out of the gate. I, um, I I did look at our predictions and they're terrible. We got none. <laughs> and Brad, I know you add a lot of titles t- typically. Uh, I, yes, and I, I usually add the two Claire Denis, Bochavai and Chocolat, and I usually like <laughs> make a point to add them. And this month I didn't. <laughs> mm. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think you, you yeah, that that uh, was the what prompted this. Um, they were waiting for you to stop. Uh, so l- let's dig in, if you don't mind. You ready, Will? Oh my goodness! Yeah, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Calm down there. Calm down. Uh, okay. Twenty twenty. I'll just say to get it out of the gate. Aside from the reissues, I haven't seen a lot here, so I'm hoping that uh, you all can do the heavy lifting in this segment because usually I've seen a lot, but uh, not today. So, well, but we'll start out with two uh, from Jules Dassin. So we have uh, September eighth, The Naked City, and Brute Force. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Jules Dassin. Uh, and I like Brute Force okay, not so much The Naked City. Uh, I'll say that these are probably, in my opinion, lesser Jules Dassin. I, I like others better, although, yeah, Brute Force is pretty good, very masculine. Um, and these are both upgrades, so um, so yeah, I'll just throw it to to you, Brad. Have you, um, what do you think about Mr. Dassin? Um, I, I think I'm uh, right there with you in Sympatico. I like Jules Dassin a lot. I like um, Rafifi and uh, Night in the City are really good. I mm-hmm. like Brute, Brute Force a lot, um, I, but it's it's not the greatest thing ever. It's really good, though. Um, I do like its weird sort of strange elements that he adds where, like, the same uh, actress plays sort of, like, the woman in the past of like all the four men in brute force i really like those kind of elements of it um and i i find naked city very forgettable so i'm i'm with you on there too yeah uh, there's one one great scene in brute force though which i I won't spoil but um kind of a harrowing uh brutal scene so um and of course it's a, a crime jail drama right so yeah it's a it's a yeah jailbreak it gets really big and epic, which I really uh, appreciate, especially as it goes towards its climax. Yeah, so um, worth seeing if you haven't. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Night in the City, um, Rafifi, Thieves Highway, I even uh, I like a lot. Yeah, and uh, so I, I've um, I love New York. Will I know you're there right now? Um, I kind of can't stand the Naked City. I, I don't know why. I, it, it should be like New York history to me because it's um, I don't know was it. Uh, late 40s, early 50s, uh, but I yeah, 48. Kinda... Shot, shot in New York. I mean, the, I've seen neither of these films, and I think it's because they fit into this very unusual time period for me, where these discs originally came out when I started getting into the collection. They're like late 300s in spine, and at that time, I was very focused on just getting the perennial masterpiece classics type films, and I don't think either of these necessarily fit in that like Criterion wheelhouse of that yeah. like the typical the bog standard and and then just when the blu-ray hit in like hundreds binds later I, I forgot about these movies completely um and i've been really looking forward to brute force because uh since 
the collection of Burt Lancaster movies on the channel. I, he's my favorite actor now. I think it's Stockholm Syndrome because I've seen more <laughs> movies with Burt Lancaster than I think any other leading actor because of that and then just other interest that I've been watching. He's great. He is yeah, great like, in Brute Force, yeah. Uh, so I'm excited he's on the cover again and I'm just looking forward to having his face on my shelf. So I love this. His face on your shelf. Yeah. The the range of that man is just incredible. Uh, yeah. From like something like The Swimmer to Brute Force mm-hmm. to uh, The Leopard. like Atlantic City. It, it's, yeah. It's I ridiculous. love The Swimmer. Swimmer is one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Me he, too. He's a, me he's too. a legend. Um, Let and, me shout out The Crimson Pirate. Uh, oh. one of, a great swashbuckler he did. Okay. Uh, because I, I, again, he, he, he is an acrobat. Um, oh yeah, trained, that's right. Trained circus acrobat and him and his partner Nick Cravat um, appear together in, in a couple of movies. The other one is um, uh, Flame and Arrow, I think. And um, the, he's Nick Cravat is always mute because of his thick accent, his Brooklyn accent. And but Crimson Pirate, I especially love. It's a beautiful swashbuckler. Have to check it out. And uh, of course, the, the Leopard. He had those the best sideburns in cinematic <laughs> history. I mean, he, those were like lamb chops. Those things. So yeah, I guess more more Brooke Lancaster go Criterion. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, Naked City. I'll give it another shot. I, I do love New York, and um, yeah, there's some interviews. Um, oh, one thing I should mention is on Brute Force. There's an observation that's observations on film art, which is the uh, well, I wouldn't say the first appearance. In fact, we kind of edited this out, sent this out on, on the in the Facebook group. Um, but to sleep with anger had one that came from Filmstruck, but it was after Filmstruck was shuttered, so it never aired. And then A Taste of Cherry, which is about to come out, has one as well. Um, I, I love that series. I love the, the, the folks at um, University of Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, so I don't always watch them on the Criterion channel, and I don't, I don't know why. There's really no excuse for me. So I kind of like that, uh, you know, throwing the disc in, I'll have an excuse to, um, to check those out. So um, I do agree. Yes, I, lo- I love the observations in films art series. They're always a great little mini film school in ten minutes. And, and, and I, I don't want to say wasted on the channel, but um, but yeah, it's, it's it's good to bring channel content to disc. I think. I'm, I'm, and anytime they upgrade something and they add anything, I'm, I'm all on board with. So, um, right. Well, now we get to the the good stuff. Uh, now I'm really excited. So. I can never say this, and I've tried. I've looked, I've looked it up. <laughs> Claire Denis, I can say that. Uh, Beau Travail? That's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. the, only, the only difference is you would need to uh, pronounce the R a little bit like a Yeah. Beau yeah, Travail. I, I, I cannot. But otherwise, can never Beau Travail is fine. I think if we pronounce all the titles completely accurately, we'll be pretentious. <laughs> so if you say Beau you can, Travail, yeah. I think you're fine. It's like those, you can just the, call it good job, too. It's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like the news anchors that... that do the Hispanic pronunciation, but do it completely authentic, and it just throws you out of uh, out of the the elements. So yeah, if I did perfect French, people would uh, would not know uh, how to handle that. So Beau Travail, um, I, I just watched. Uh, I mentioned on a previous show, the women make film, and uh, this is this shows up. So this is golden goose for me. I, I've been wanting to see this for ages. I loved Denis. Uh, it's one of those that's not been available. I. I I DVR'd it on TCM once, and then I accidentally deleted it. Actually, Lightning oh, deleted no. it for me. Yeah, which is which really sucked. Yeah. This so, is better. You won't have the TCM logo for this. Which <laughs> is the only downside that. to to that that channel, and why I love. I mean, I watch with the TCM app right now more than anything. But yeah, you're gonna want to see this 
with no obstruction. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I, I don't know if, if this can live up to the expectations because um, it's supposedly, I don't know, maybe this 35 shots of rum are considered her best. I don't know. I, I think this one is, is generally considered her best. Uh, so have you all seen it? Yes. Good. All right. So what, yes. what can we yes. expect? So Brad, yes. I'll go alphabetically. What, what's in this? <laughs> hot, hot man. I'm sorry. I'll come down. <laughs> you ain't wrong, man. You ain't wrong. All right. Yeah. It, it... Uh, yes. Um, what, what can you expect? Um, it's her, it's sort of her typical, um, like, uh, I mean, like it's highly theatric like the the i'm not describing it right but like what it's about is kind of sort of a mystery and it's all about sort of like raw um instincts of like of pride and revenge and um and like claire denis like using like she's very very much a woman looking at men in this film and uh sort of equating them all as this like giant machine that is mm-hmm. like sole purpose is to to like train and bark at each other and just like uh try to overtop like overdo outdo each other in in kind of like primal almost like prehistoric ways um and the the the, the music mm. really accompanies that <clears throat> um and it's a great performance by uh, Denis Levant um, as the like commander in the middle of all of this. Uh, so yeah, um, and it's beautiful too. The, uh, I mean, yes, the hunky guys, but they're all like, <laughs> they're arranged like as this one unit of like sweaty shirtless men in the desert, and then the way they all like perform and exercise together is is kind of really stunning to see. So, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely, and you. Yeah, I mean the 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 way that you're seeing the actors display physical prowess on camera is unlike what they're willing to put actors through in, a, in most movies. Mm. And I mean, this is the real deal when you're watching them achieve these these incredible feats of endurance and strength and resilience. Uh, but I think Brad's right in his description that that the film kind of. I mean, this is transcendental film, you know. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it yeah. it, it 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 floats through the situations, and um, I saw this. I had to get it on DVD through the library in the old DVD. So I'm really looking forward to finally seeing a HD version, and it's one I of was, the greatest films I've seen in the last couple of years for me. I was I was lucky enough to see this at, at TIFF at the Lightbox last nice. last year. I think it was in the pre-COVID days. Um, they had a Denis retrospective, and I saw this in Trouble Every Day on the big screen. So it was really nice because I had only seen this on VHS like a long, long time ago before that. Yeah. So yeah, it's been unavailable for a long time. Right. Um, was that the same restoration? Do you think or? Um... I believe so. It did look pretty old, the print. So mm-hmm. this might maybe actually, may, yeah, maybe not. I mean, this might be a newer. Um, Restoration, because it's from 1999, so uh, its print would would not have been like super super damaged, but uh, it it did look like a a 1999 sort of print. It didn't look like it was like masterly restored. And I dig the cover. You know, it has a man standing there, and he's sort of half silhouetted, or maybe you know a quarter silhouetted. Um, 
little shadow there. He's not Burt Lancaster, at least from what I can tell. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> that is sort of the bit, been the central image for the advertising okay. is is that guy. And usually you see his whole, his whole face. He's sort of like the object of affection in in central to the middle of the film. Um, but usually you see his whole, his whole face. So I do love the the shadow and the, how that's sort of echoed in the font with the, mm-hmm. the sort of diagonal slice it's really nice yeah yeah i like that as well uh so it's a uh, it has some interesting features uh the one i'm most looking forward to is a uh, conversation with denis and jenkins barry jenkins filmmakers and uh, i like barry uh I, like i could like like we're buds and i can call him barry <laughs> i like mr jenkins <laughs> talk about anything uh but i i love when when two you know great filmmakers get together and then uh, there's a selected scene commentary with Godard. Uh, when I first read that, I thought it was uh, Jean-Luc, but it's the uh, director of photography, Agnes Godard. I don't believe she's any relation. Um, I'm, I don't know what Jean-Luc would say about it, but you know, just knowing him and her, his curmudgeon <laughs> reputation, he might just say it's shit. Um, and then we have interviews with, so you mentioned Denis Levant um, and Gregoire Collin. Uh, I think, believe those are actors in the film. Is Yeah. It says actors, a visual essay, and uh, yeah, uh, it looks like a pretty stellar release. I yeah, can't wait. Uh, we've expected it, so now it's here. Um, moving on to September twenty second, uh, this one was out of um, out of nowhere. Uh, Frances- our Francesco Rosie's uh, Christ stopped at uh, Eboli. So I'll be honest with you, I I, I love film, but I had not heard of this. Um, so. Hey, have you either of you seen this? No, uh, this one was uh, out of the blue for me. I haven't really seen a rosy film either. That's kind of a blind spot for me. Ooh, okay. Well, I can speak to that. But uh, Will, have you seen any any? Um, have you seen this? No, I haven't seen this, and it, it caught on my radar very recently, um, just sort of by reputation. And I think that might because you know that might have been a sign that something was in the air, something was being drummed up. Hmm. for this film uh but this this is a filmmaker I, I yeah similarly i though he has four films in the collection now has has completely escaped me um so what what can you say about i mean he's got well, um two other blu-rays for sure right i think yeah so he has well the moment of truth which is about bullfighting so and it's a fantastic film um i don't think this, it's like this uh what else does he have he has salvatore G- uh Giuliani, I believe it is. Giuliano. Giuliani. Yeah. Uh, Gi- <laughs> Giuliani. <laughs> Giuliano. It's 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 like Rudy Giuliani, but there's only one of him, so he's a Giuliano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I actually haven't seen that one. Uh, what else is there in the collection? Hands over the city. Hands over the city. I haven't seen that. Um, I, I have seen uh, Illustrious Corpse, Corpses, which is early '70s, and it has Lino Ventura, and that one is amazing. Um, has I won't spoil, of course, because I, I don't know. How readily available that release is, but um, but there's a really quite an ending, um, and uh, and I of course Lino Ventura I can watch in everything. Um, so this is later in his career, seventy nine. So I've uh, just from what I've seen uh, based on comments and re- reactions, it sounds like this is a gem. Um, so I'm I think this could be one of those hidden gems that that we um, hadn't heard much about. It is. Ooh, 220 minutes. I was so, going to say, it's a long gem. Long gem. It's for you, Brad. It's Brad's favorite. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We had I, time, do like, right? I have been getting in them long ones now, yeah. Um, and so some good supplements, uh, you know, uh, 
new introduction by translator and author Michael F. Moore, so not to be confused with the documentarian. And then a documentary about uh, Italian political cinema, so I, I think from 1978, I think that sounds pretty interesting. Uh, excerpt from a, a 74 documentary, and then an excerpt from a, a short 2014 documentary. So lots of, uh, lots of documentary excerpts. I'm down with that. So um, I like the cover too. I don't know if, what it means in regards to the film. It just kind of looks like a location shot, but yeah. And I like the font of the, uh, the cover as well. Um, so Agreed. I get... The sort of like spray painted kind of look. So we Isn't will it? see. Yeah. Okay. I guess we'll, we'll react to that when we, when it gets out. And then uh, I'll save the biggest one for last. Uh, so the September 29th, we have another David Lynch, uh, which is always uh, always pretty impactful. So we have The Elephant Man, uh, which I gave up and rewatched about, I don't know, six months ago, figuring it's never coming out. <laughs> but I, I can rewatch it again. I, I, no, no, don't cry for me. Uh, the Elephant Man. So I, I'd say it's... One of his least weird films, but there are some Lynchian um, twists to it, or some some aspects. You can see a little eraser head in it, but it's kind of a mm-hmm. it's a more of a linear story. Um, I think it's it's I, I won't go as far as saying a masterpiece, but I think it's uh, a stellar film and um, it really showed off his film filmmaking chops uh, as he was an emerging director. So, Brad, what do you think about uh, the elephant in the room? <laughs> Um, I do love The Elephant Man. <laughs> I think it's uh, sort of one of the more interesting, like, sophomore films uh, that a director has made, uh, just because it's how how bizarre and totally unconventional, you know, Eraserhead was to uh, really shift gears in a very interesting way. Like, like, as you mentioned, there are the Lynchian kind of things in uh, uh, in Elephant Man. But Elephant Man really proved, I think, that uh, to Hollywood that sort of Lynch could play ball. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's an, it's a film that, um, yes, it's sort of straightforward in its drama, but it also kind of needs to be because I think that the, the material is so sensitive that to really add a, too many layers of weirdness might, yeah. m- might undermine it. Um, and it's also beautifully shot. So mm-hmm. his their their um, recreation of Victorian England um, and in black and white film is is uh, is is just breathtaking to see. Um, so uh, it's I, I really like it for for different reasons than um, Razorhead, obviously. But it's yeah. it's just an interesting sort of uh, look at it, you know, like the other side of, of David Lynch, as opposed to just the, the sort of the weirdness. And yeah, you, you, when you mention Razorhead, I'm, I'm just thinking, what studio watched Razorhead and said, let's give him the elephant man? I mean, right. <laughs> it's, it's such a leap for the studio, but completely paid off. Um, and then, of course, that led to Dune. <laughs> So, and, and was that the next one? I think so. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. He, he was in talks for Raiders, uh, not Raiders of Lester. Um, that was Return of the something. Jedi for for a while, wasn't he? <laughs> that would have been something uh, as well. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. There's, there's, there's a good video of, of him uh, talking about meeting George Lucas, and fun. it's perfect, perfect Lynch. <laughs> uh, this, this, see this, it. this is, I mean, every Lynch movie is essential, mm-hmm. right? And um, yep, the, the more of them that show up on the collection. Uh, we'll leave more of them to eventually come. So, although I'm really waiting for Inland Empire, 
Um, it's the one that I think we need the most. This still was, I mean, Botrevi and Elephant Man to me are the highlights of the month just because they're longstanding Blu-ray, um, you know, needs in mm-hmm. this uh, in this region anyway. I know there was recently Elephant Man in the UK, and I held out I held out for this one just because I knew it was coming, and I don't need a UHD. So this is this is really. Um, tremendous! It's it's a beautiful film, and um, and like if you're going to have like an Oscar-y biopic type idea for a movie, like on the, like the elevator pitch, if it mm-hmm. reads that way, I would rather see David Lynch do it, right? And and the way that he's able right to on. maintain in that in those confines, but still create a movie that has such a unique style, atmosphere, pace, structure, um, the performances. I mean, yeah. the, the cast is stacked. Oh God, John with Hurt. amazing yeah. actors. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm thrilled. And and for anybody that thinks Samuel Barber's Adagio for strings is the platoon music, hasn't seen the Elephant Man, um, because I mean this this is I mean really Adagio for strings is its own piece. But mm-hmm. if we're going to assign it to a film, it has to be the Elephant Man and not Platoon, which is later <laughs> and by uh, a less good director. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I I do like Platoon, but um, but I, I will not uh, put uh, Stone versus Lynch uh, any day. That's a pretty easy easy match. Um, yeah, you're you're right. I, I think that this is just shy of a masterpiece, and and you know I I, I have to rate it against Lynch's work. Um, so and that's that's there's a couple heavyweights there, and I, I like I, I agree with you that uh, there there's more opportunities for other Lynch. Um, I, I would love to see Inland Empire. You know, I, I think you know who knows about Lost Highway, um, yeah, and Wild at Heart because of other releases. But uh, wait, what happened? What happened with Lost Highway? Did that? Did that ever? Did everyone, anyone ever release that on Blu-ray? That's... Kino, Kino did. Yeah, um, that was. Uh, I, I couldn't tell if you were joking for a split second. I am joking. I did. <laughs> oh. I did the episode about that. Okay. Hey. I had to like go back in the memory banks. Like, I'm sorry, Will. It's like hard to remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, I actually thought that, that was a big was deal. Fine. Um, but I, but the, the one thing about Inland Empire though is is low lo-fi, so I I, I want to yeah. say he shot it on like sixteen. So I mean, but frankly, just I've seen put a lot of extras in Inland Empire. There's like some video and mini TV. I want to yeah. say yeah, it's it, the 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 way he shot it is very of its time in terms of yeah. using like almost prosumer level uh, equipment. But I I saw it on a film print which was surreal because you could tell that like there was such a disconnect between the image you were seeing and the way it was shot because mm-hmm. it had film grain and it had scratches and blotches and real changes, but it was clearly shot on a camcorder. So <laughs> I, I, I will never experience anything like that again, unless they, you know, bring that around because if you ever, if there's ever a Lynch retrospective and you know, the prints are old and bad, you have to go. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to a point in society where we can have that, uh, but yeah, no. If Criterion's listening, I'm, uh, Inland, Empire, Inland Empire is my vote for uh, for the next Lynch as well. Not and, straight story. I, I like the straight story too, but uh, yeah, this is kind of a straight story. So let's get let's go a little weird and then come back to <laughs> straight uh, extras. So the the one disappointment I, I'd say of previous Lynch films is they they've been a little light on the extras. Uh, so I, I'd say this one is a little little heavier than most. Uh, so there's a discussion. Well, not a discussion, a reading from Room to Dream, uh, a 2018 book that uh, David Lynch and Christine McKenna uh, co-authored. So I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's their audio book that's already out. 
Okay. And I think it'll just be an excerpt from the audiobook ported over. Maybe um, maybe they talk about Elephant Man. I don't, I don't know the. Yeah, I, have, I haven't read the book because um, his his life is still continuing, and I'm afraid to read it. Like I, I want I want to have closure later. So, so well, I, I can promise you that you reading that book will not kill David Lynch. I'm but just, like, just saying, I, I, I just I want to I want to leave room it. to dream for myself. You yeah. know, I don't want to I don't want to know his mysteries yet. Okay, all right. And I know he doesn't enough. reveal them all, but I mean, the book's going to tell me something. The art life was pretty revealing. Uh, I, I still Which I haven't seen. Oh, I, it's okay. sitting on the shelf, and I'm like, I don't want to... But we'll get into the more in a second, because I have a theory about the more. Okay, well, uh, all right, so we have some archival interview, interviews with Lynch, Hurt. Uh, Mel Brooks was a producer. That's that's interesting. Uh, and some other people involved with the film. Not that I don't want to read a list, but I don't want to read a list. <laughs> so then we have an audio recording of, uh, from 81 of an interview and Q&A with Lynch at the AFI. Um, I, I tend to skip those audio recordings just because I don't know. I don't, that's a podcast. And, uh, Oh no, you must. There's, there's gonna, especially this, this there's one. a good one with Ingmar Bergman and, uh, I can't remember which disc it's on in the set, but with some American students and it's one of the best features Ooh. on any Bergman disc. Oh, it's so funny and interesting. I can't remember what, I mean, it's on one of the heavy hitters, um, okay. but you'll find it. I'm but, uh, this, almost done with that this, set. So I'll, I'll look for it. And he, he he got his funding, you know, from AFI was funded yeah. Racerhead. And yeah. so, so I, and I know he has a recording of him there for Racerhead times, like a few years earlier. So this, this will probably be a must listen. Yeah, you know, I, I, I must. I must and I will. will. Uh, and then a, a documentary, uh, The Terrible Elephant Man Revealed from 2001, uh, which is, it's weird to have a, a documentary 20-something years after the film, but bring it. So... What's your theory on more, Mr. Mr. Rimmers? Well, well, do y'all follow David Lynch Theater on YouTube? Because he's got his, his YouTube channel suddenly became active again um, in like May or thereabouts with his weather reports coming back, which was an old thing he used to do where he would just tell you know the weather in L.A. sitting at his desk. <laughs> and he does it you know, basically every day, and you can go to this channel and watch those. But he's also added a series called you know, What is David uh, Doing or Creating Today? And he... he He's making something every day or like showing you in these videos. They're like mini documentaries, four minutes, maybe or less of him showing you something he built or painted or made that day. And they're always perfect, like Lynchian capsules of just him talking to the camera, explaining what materials he used to make something. And you see you see such a connection to how he operates on a day to day basis. I'm spoiling some mystery now, but YouTube, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm striking while it's hot. I want to be there. Mm-hmm. And he also did um, the first uh, Q and A so far, where he's, um, you know, in- answering viewer questions. So the fact that someone who's generally um, a little bit, you know, distant and <laughs> and like hard like hard to get a hold of for you know material for say even any of these features, yeah, he's just suddenly talking a lot. I mean, I, he might be in this stage of his career where he could just do this kind of content forever. He might not make another film, but he might just. Like, because I think he finds, I mean, that's why he switched over to, to digital. And because he, he's like, I hate film because I can't, I mean, it's faster and simpler and easier to do digital. So maybe he'll say, I hate using the, uh, the, I hate releasing things on TV or in the movies. I'd rather just put videos on YouTube every now and then. And if he just becomes a YouTube content creator, as his <laughs> job for the rest of his life would be amazing. So I think that because he's suddenly just been talking so much and because the more is still a bit ambiguous, I bet there's something cooking up with him that he's going to be recording from home um, himself. Wow. I, I, I just, I, I, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the amount of, I mean, he's 
posting every day mm. videos of him talking, which is just great. So um, I don't think of him as being as you know camera shy about this. And this is a film that, as far as I understand, he loves. And and uh, mm-hmm. it's not Dune, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm hope I'm I'm hoping that more just is the way it is because um, it's not sure what form that might take yet. I, I want to hear what he says about Dune. So uh, I'll, <laughs> maybe there's something on YouTube about that. Uh, yeah, and, and that's one thing. And you know, during this this post COVID world, uh, a lot of people have time. So he might just. Um, and I've kind of wondered if that would eventually catch up to the Criterion releases and have more, um, you know, more content, more more but interviews. Which 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 one did, was it? The Lady Eve that has the um, the Zoom press conference with uh, Leonard Malton and yeah and some people. Yeah, that's yeah. coming up soon. So. Well, we have the last one is uh, I, I want to say the biggest one, but there's there's some some heavyweights. I think Elephant Man and Bo, Bo Travai are are pretty impressive. But we, uh, yeah, to, for dessert we have Martin Scorsese's WCP World Cinema Project Number Three. So uh, I've not seen any of these movies. Uh, I've not heard of every, either, either all of these movies. I've heard of some. Uh, the biggest one, I think by far, that I've really wanted to see is uh, the Brazilian uh, Piote, or I believe it's there's an X there, so I never never know, understand the X. Uh, Pixote or Pichote, maybe, uh, maybe Pichote, and that's uh, that, that that is from what I understand, um, it's a Bameco, and it's one of the masterpieces that they've had uh, waiting in the wings. Um, the other is uh, Lucia from Cuba. We have after the uh, curfew, which is from Indonesia. We have uh, Dos Monjes, I believe, which is Mexican, and Soleil O, which is a Mauritanian. So I think that one's got to be the first Mauritanian director in the collection. And then uh, finally, we have uh, Downpour, which is Iranian. So good uh, representation of the globe. Um, I, I always I'm, I'd love to see more African, um, but you know, if you throw in some Indonesia there, I'm happy as well. Uh, stoked. Six movies I've n- not seen. I've loved the other two editions. Uh, yeah, sign me up for as many of these as possible. So, so Brad, what do you think about WCP? Um, it, it's great. I'm still catching up on the uh, sort of past titles uh, from the previous two releases. Um, uh, it, there is one African film, isn't there? Isn't more? Uh, oh, Mauritania. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's in Africa. Um, just sorry, not too late. <laughs> Thanks for the geography um, <laughs> lesson. <laughs> You're right. Um, but uh, that's um, my mom. Yeah, I I wanted. To, I've heard of uh, Osole before and um, Pixiote, uh, and um, two monks. I believe that's the the dos uh, menos, uh, which is the one I'm super curious about. Mm. Is it's uh, the first um, expressionistic film? Uh, I can't remember what country. That's Mexico. Is yeah. it Mexico? Mexico yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's supposed to be very heavily influenced by German Expressionism, um, which always piques my curiosity. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super letting, looking forward to uh, uh, digging into these. Yeah. I, I, have you seen any of these? Or, or are you like me? Uh, no. Yeah. No, I haven't seen them. Sorry. No, I, no apologies. <laughs> uh, the, that, they're obscure. They're obscure. I, there was there was a, a discussion in the, uh, the the Facebook group from somebody that was disappointed that there weren't more well known films uh, coming out. And I'm like, man, yeah, you're, no. you're missing the point. This is the, yeah. I would say that's not the point. Yeah, exactly. We the, challenge yourself uh, and uh, and watch these. This is, 
This is probably my favorite thing Scorsese does. Yes. Because yeah, well. <laughs> I, I, I actually, he, he gets on my nerves sometimes in like the way he, I feel like he self-inserts onto like, I mean, the fact that his quote is at the top of the Kino Pioneers of African-American Cinema set just always drives me insane. Because like, as if we, it, it sort of makes us all complicit in the idea that Scorsese's opinion on film is important. And, um, and for example, I went to the premiere screening of um, Other Side of the Wind, and he was at, on, in the panel for some reason. And all he did was contribute dumb questions and misunderstandings about Wells's life. <laughs> and then everybody else on the, on the panel who was involved with either the re recreation or the creation of the film is like, Marty, stop. <laughs> so I have a feeling that he just like is so excited. He's like, I want, I want, to, I want to be on every Palin Pressburger picture. Uh, have me, I, want to be on, I want to be the interviewer. And you want to talk to me about this picture, which I saw when I was seven years old. It's like, Shh, Marty, shut up. <laughs> but this, and it's exactly the point, He's showing us things. He's getting these things in front of us because he clearly knows his stuff in this regard. He's like, I've tracked these things down over the years mm -hmm. and found them. And and I love that this set came out because I was I was actually losing faith that we'd see another one um, because I think that like Eclipse, I thought maybe this would just get relegated to the channel. But I'm glad this is getting a set. I'm glad it's dual format so it'll match the other two, which I think is unusual that we're getting a combo, which is probably just more cost efficient with a set this big to just release one edition of it. Um, the extra price to have the DVDs included isn't a big deal, and all sets will have still be the same amount of discs and sure. size. And I like that it, they're not as completely bare bones as I think they originally were. There's a full documentary that's t a 2020 documentary mm -hmm. for one of the films on here, so um, there's a bit more context being provided by features because these tend to be a little smaller releases. And I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm thrilled as anything because um, I, well, I have a question for everybody, which is. I don't. I haven't seen anything about this. Please correct me if, if there's something more to see here. But the sets are all in, um, in basically what appears to be an arbitrary order. But they've not said like a Bergman set that this is like an intended, like screening order. That somehow that the, like so I wonder what decision making, or plan goes into the order in which the films appear on the set. Wow. Because again, you, you could kind of pick and choose. That's what I've done with the other two sets. Just sort of watching the ones that have come up in my queue or my mind at the time to see first. But um, I wonder, I mean, have either of you seen the other two sets in order or read anything about the order of the films in these sets? I've watched both of the other sets in order and haven't really given it much thought. I just put that there, there's generally two discs I mean, in each sleeve, and I, I watch you know, the, the two two movies from each each one, and I haven't paid attention. I, this one, I'm just looking at the, uh, the, the Criterion website, and it's not alphabetical, it's not chronological so yeah maybe. If i think maybe then then what it does is it is it prevents if there was a structure it would be implying a context maybe maybe that, so yeah like if it was chronological it would be like because there's obviously unlike the bergman set there's no thread to necessarily draw here mm -hmm. these are just six no, films are, to see yeah from so if they're just, the if just going to be a scramble um a scramble in some way i think that 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 makes sense if i remember the, the both the first two sets end on a huge title but i might be mistaken yeah uh, i think I, taipei story ends one of them right and then yeah is it is tuki buki the other one i i, I could be mistaken but, oh um, it's right here <laughs> um it, it no it ends with a housemate so, oh okay well that's, that, that's which a i think is one. also similarly a huge title yeah. so yeah. i wonder like i wonder if in any way like martin is like i want to lead up to such and such film but, maybe um, downpour is his favorite, uh, and that's that's what's going to finish this. Or maybe 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 this is not indicative of the order on the disc. Uh, but I'm with you that uh, I, I I liked um, 
I like Martin's work. I liked The Irishman. Uh, I hope he can continue making movies, but I think his mark on cinema for me uh, is, well, Powell and Pressburger, for one. He's, he's been a champion of bringing those back and, and done a lot for them, and, and this, this project. So he's, um, yeah, whether he's annoying at, uh, at different, uh, different um, screenings and um, panel discussions, uh, at least he is advocating. Yeah, he's doing good. He's doing good. He's yeah, doing he's good just, in the world. I got no beef with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that he has like seven shitty movies, and they're called Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, <laughs> Raging Bull, The Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed. What are the other two? Mean Streets. I hate, hate all those movies. Wow. So he, okay. Wow. I just hate them because because they're you know they're just a bunch of, bunch of people cursing. <laughs> He does uh, that. He does that. Did you I, like the Irishman? You're joking again. <laughs> I, I, I am. I am kind of not because. Yeah. Do you know what I it mean, is? That's is fine. If it's I fine. if I'm so tired of three hour movies about somebody's rise and fall, like I <laughs> I get it. Like they're gonna do do coke and then they're gonna not have the money they had anymore, and everything the needle drops are insufferable. Um, a good movie, um, Last Temptation of Christ. Okay, no, I'm I'm on board with that, ladies and gentlemen. Will Remmers, uh, we'll put his email in the show notes. Please email me, Martin. I want to fight. <laughs> well, Will, I think you'd win. <laughs> Nothing against Martin, but uh, all right. Well, that's that's September, so I think it's a fantastic month, uh, at least as far as Criterion, and hopefully otherwise. Uh, September 2020. Who knows? Couldn't predict uh, June, so I'll just. Hope, hope for the best for September, but I'm definitely going to watch all of these. Uh, I'll find time for them. Um, I'm going to not do the ratings because, yeah, they're kind of silly. We've had Vardo, we've had uh, Bruce Lee, of all things, so it's been, they've all been pretty good months, but would you say this is, uh, I, I just what's your excitement level? Give, give me an, a word. What's it, give me an adjective, Brad. Uh, uh, sexy. <laughs> Okay, well, follow it's, that. It's the month of Bochavai. Okay, all right. I, I got it. I mean, Brad's not wrong. That's, <laughs> that's one of the sexiest movies of all time. So sexy, man. It's a sexy month. Yeah, and, and there's hair. also the two monks or whatever it was. So, <laughs> so maybe that's sexy. We'll find out. So, uh, the, and of course, we're now in June, and usually in July there would be a Barnes and Noble sale, and and usually at this point we would there would be some employee that would share some information. Um, of the dates, you know, sometimes it's been late June through, you know, sometimes early August, I believe, uh, depending on the release cycle. And there was a post on Blu-ray.com, uh, and it was, you know, take it with a grain of salt. It was one of those an employee told me kind of thing, but I'm, I'm kind of believing it. Uh, they said that there's not going to be a, a Barnes and Noble sale this summer, and um, and I'm kind of believing it. I, I'm kind of actually not surprised. So, uh, yeah, what do we think? Uh, do we think I'm, it's over? I'm... Um, I don't think it's over permanently. I think it's just COVID. I think that mm-hmm. that's because they they even said in that post that they didn't have the staff and the supply. And I mean, all that can be related to like the COVID of, of you know, how difficult it is to ship um, to all of these stores. I'm, I'm also curious about sort of like, are we going to get the sale in a different way? Like Criterion yeah. had the 30% off. Um, uh, during the first few months of of the lockdown, I'm wondering, are they going to do their own sort of 50% off just out of their own warehouse? Um, I also was wondering too, uh, as a Canadian up here in Canada, 
we have um, unobstructed view. Right. That's they're the sort of official um, re- uh, the official release company of Criterion's up here. Um, they're based out of Toronto, and um, um, they usually sync up their sales with uh, Barnes and Noble and also the flash sale uh, that Criterion does. So I'm just wondering too, um, will you know, will that happen as well? Will we not have a 50% sale up here as well? Maybe, and it's worth noting that the uh, 30% off sale, uh, or you know, not sale, but uh, just their their 30% ongoing discount is over now as well. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yes. I, I I do wonder. Will um, are do you? Although uh, regarding the COVID and the um, the stores, online is a big part of that, and that's where a, a lot of people buy those. So I'm I'm surprised they wouldn't at least yeah, do that. It's I mean I, I for me uh, the I only do I only usually usually participate in the scale the sale in person because uh, mm-hmm. I'd rather have the full discount than just get free shipping. Right. And I, and then I, in that case, if I'm gonna go online, I'd rather get it from Cartier and themselves. So I'm expecting. If this doesn't go through for June, we'll probably find some sort of flash sale or something. I mean, so, or or some other retailer who feels like they can handle it, like online, you know, deep discount or something. Will go. I mean, that's I remember deep discount was the way I got Criterion's when I was in high school. Wow. I would just I would wait for their sales, which were you know I got how I got all of my DVDs to start with. I would just get their because they'd be flash sale sort of discounts. Um, so I mean I mean people want these discs, and as you we clearly stated they're making they're making their best year ever at this point yes yes so, yeah, yeah. They're, so they they're doing well. and, they, and criterion understands that i mean they publicize the barnes and noble sale mm-hmm. they publicize it for barnes and noble so they want that sale they want those sales to help make this year as profitable as what they're putting into it so i whatever they probably so, as, long as, as, long, as long as there yeah. is criterion there will always be a way to get them for 50 percent I think you're right, and I think they probably count on those sales to clear their warehouse a little bit, um, and and I'm sure they sell plenty at, at full price as well. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see. Um, I, I, yeah, I've had somebody at Criterion tell me before that uh, we we don't mind if you you know we we'd always prefer you buy from us, but yeah, buy from the sale. It's better than nothing at all. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that, and usually when there is a flash sale, they'll take that off your Criterion order. So. I went ahead and, and placed my July orders through Criterion, and um, and if you know we're we're now to September, so when we get to October, I'll do the same. I'm I'm not uh, not expecting it. I guess I could always cancel. Um, so uh, I guess yeah, maybe no cheap Criterions for a little while, but really we're saving money on gas and everything else. So I don't know. Well. Recent releases uh, had been pretty good. Uh, the Cameraman uh, by, well, with Buster Keaton, uh, An Unmarried Woman, which I just finished, uh, Wildlife, uh, Scorsese's Shorts, uh, Not His Pants, as uh, Will would say. Oh, uh, I get that joke now. <laughs> <laughs> and Husbands uh, from uh, Cassavetes. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, The Cameraman and Unmarried Women are fresh in my mind because I, I watched them both this, this week. Um, any have, have either of you started on, on any of these, or have any um, thoughts? Yeah, I haven't seen. Unfortunately, I haven't seen any of these. Um, but uh, I'm I love Buster Keaton, uh, so I'm I'm super into the cameraman. And um, I saw um, is it Bob and Ted and Carol and Alice um, by Mazursky, yeah. the same yeah the same director, and I loved it. So it's fun. Yeah. It is. It's a really good film. So I'm super curious about uh, the unmarried woman. Um, I, 
I'd like to know how Paul Daniel got in the collection. His one film <laughs> in, the, in the collection, but it's a pretty I mean, good movie. I, I, is it a good movie? Yeah, I like it. I, no, it's it's not up there with the cameraman or anything, but yeah, it's fun. I, I shouldn't say fun. It's 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 a good movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll spare spare my griping of you know <laughs> the the uh, directors that are still waiting you know for certain releases. But Paul Daniel, but that's fine. Okay, yeah. like, no more great. <laughs> like, like the other gentleman, is uh, Casablanca doesn't get in the collection, but Wildlife does. Will, what do you think of this this grouping? Um, yeah, I've only seen the husbands, which I've only seen in the cut that was on Amazon, hmm. which is I think the like middle length cut, and I I believe this is this only includes one cut, but it's the longest cut that exists. Yeah. Um, there, oh, there, but there, there are at least, as I remember, three cuts of the film that are each about ten or fifteen minutes apart in length. So I've only so there's so there's a whole ten minutes of this movie I haven't seen um, that I'll see when I see this release. It's a difficult film. I mean, mm-hmm. it's these guys are super unpleasant. Um, so you have to kind of accept that, accept that you that that in in the exploration of these topics, it's going to be a bit unpleasant, and it makes you wonder. Like, I mean. A lot of people seem to prefer John Cassavetes, uh films that are more focused on women. Things with Jenna Rollins and obviously are seem to be the the highlights. Um, but this this is a film. I mean, it's on the BFI list, so it's got a huge reputation. Yeah. That's the reason I saw it in the first place. I certainly like anything about uh, Long Islanders who have to commute into the city. So that speaks to to a truth that they did exist in my life for a time, though I never was like these guys. And th- there's a particularly wonderful. Um, pub scene, um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, fe- that feels like something out of a Terrence Davies movie, but with this like ass acidic energy. Um, the way we just share songs and things with each other, uh, something that I wish I've, I've never lived in a society that was like that. So. I, I dug that pub scene. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's worth it just to watch the Dick Cavett episode, which is infamous. Because, oh yeah, uh, excellent. They're 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 all drunk as can be. Speaking of pub scenes, mm-hmm. I think they might have gone, <laughs> might have come from that pub. Uh, worth watching that. In fact, you don't even have to see the movie; <laughs> just watch that. Um, I, I will say a couple words about the the two most recent. So the cameraman is going to be on my short list for release of the year. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of Buster Keaton late lately. Uh, first off, this has his last two silent, I believe they're last two, the last two with MGM uh, silent pictures, uh, the, um, the cam- cameraman, of course, and then the uh, something related to marriage, I forget, um, which is pretty good, but not the cameraman. The cameraman is excellent. It's actually, I'm, I was surprised, um, you know, his, his uh, silent period is pretty up there as far as consistency, and uh, there are some masterpieces in the group. And this Agreed. is among, among my favorite films of his. I was surprised by how funny and how well done it was. Um, uh, uh, Un- Unmarried Woman, I actually just finished that before we started recording. And it was a rewatch. I- I'd seen it, uh, I think, about five years ago. And uh, the rewatch, I lo- uh, the first time I, I watched it, I, I-, I liked it. I-, I think I liked just seeing 70s New York. And, and it's-, it's very 70s and very 70s New York. You know, people... I don't know. It, it seemed like everybody back then seemed looked like a slime ball. <laughs> Maybe they still do. I don't know. Will you tell us? It's a very sweaty decade. It is, very, there, and there's a lot of sweaty men in this movie. Um, but uh, Jill Clayburgh is uh, is really uh, an incredible character, and 
you know, very independent spirit, and uh, and I, I liked watching it. I think I got a little more invested in her emotional journey. Um, it, it is a little long for this type of movie. You know, it's kind of a, I won't say, it's not a comedy, but you know, it's a it's a romantic journey, uh, or you know, as the, the title is unmarried, so it's kind of opposite of a romantic journey. So being over two hours might make it a little tough for the first viewing, but um, but I, I did enjoy it. And, and some of the scenes that I thought dragged the first time, I really appreciated the second time. So um, check it out, uh, just for, for Ms. Clayburg. And uh, upcoming, so uh, there's some gems here as well. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is uh, coming out this week. Uh, Tokyo Olympiad, the, uh, the, the single edition. And then uh, we have Come and See, which is a, a big deal. Uh, the War of the Worlds is coming out to, to begin July, and then just around the corner from that, we have uh, Mr. Bruce Lee in uh, a big box set, the first of many. So, Brad, what do you, what thoughts do you have on that group? Um, I've seen I've seen some of these. Yay! Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire was incredible. Um, it was uh, on my best of list from last year. It was number four. Um, so I highly recommend uh, everyone see that one. Uh, Come and See is amazing. It's disturbing. It's troubling. It is everything everybody's ever said it is. Um, and it is an experience. But it is also, like, immaculately made. So um, I recommend with that one, you know, with a little bit of brace yourself, a little warning. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one I wanted to really uh, prop up is War of the Worlds, which uh, I, I feel like it's a, it's a bit better than um, maybe some people might, in my opinion, it's a bit better than I feel some give it credit for. Yes, it is of that sort of 50s um, propaganda uh, uh, sci-fi. So it is sort of the epitome of that um, that you know, alien invasion, uh, Technicolor blockbuster that sort of Hollywood was making, but it does like have some criticisms of America sort of weaving throughout the way they um, update it from the H.G. Wells story, which took place at like turn of nine, 20th century uh, London to 1950s America. There's still like criticisms of capitalism. Um, and even even its ending, which is it gets its most sort of um, religious uh, propaganda, is still like there's a level of sort of like existential questioning that it just modern sci-fi like alien stuff just doesn't even try to tackle with like the whole idea of like you know us turning to God to sort of as the answer at least like it hmm. tries to do that it tries to like in our time of like our most existential uh questioning when aliens are attacking us we would actually it's a film that actually deals with that question hmm. um where like independence day you know men in black whatever you want to say like they're 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 not interested in that kind of thing so it's 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 really interesting to see um you know sort of an old old like older style of uh science fiction hollywood film and contrasted i guess with with that type of film that we get way too much of nowadays and it, we've already mentioned orson welts once so might as well yeah. mention him again he's on you have there. to mention every podcast yeah every he's important you should yeah I, I think i know that you like him uh yeah and you could you can probably get the rko uh thing on youtube or something but i i kind of like having that at my in my home i'm, I'm actually looking oh, forward I, to that i love least. it too yeah yeah so will what's your and i haven't seen portrait of a lady on fire so i that's that's the one i'm looking forward to the most i've been waiting it's uh, also really hot <laughs> really hot all right very sexy 
<laughs> that's that's the theme. <laughs> sexy, <laughs> sexy Criterion. Um, more sexy go Criterion. Thank you. Uh, so, Will, what do you think about this grouping? Uh, War of the Worlds. I'm looking forward to that because I got, I'm getting it from Imprint because I ordered their five um, first discs from Australia, which are um, so it, it's a very similar release, but I know there isn't complete overlap. Um, DVD Beaver recommended if you like the film enough, it's worth having both of them. But I we decided to get the imprint because those five opening discs were all interesting to me. Um, so I'll be seeing that when I get that set in. And I've read the book, so I'm interested to see this. I saw the the dumb one in the movie theater whenever <laughs> that came out. The Tom Cruise one? Yeah, so I'm, maybe it's not dumb, but it was all whatever. Right. I mean, um, I the yeah. yeah. Uh, Lady on Fire, yeah, I'm stoked for that. Stoked for that. Stoked for Tokyo Olympiad. Come and see. Uh, yeah, I like it. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that <laughs> it's, again because I've only I've only seen it, you know, uh, in a in a less pretty form. Mm-hmm. Same with me. It's a so tough, tough movie to, to watch, but yeah. And 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 do you really want high def for that movie? I don't know. And uh, then I I've seen uh, Game of Death, and it's really stupid uh, <laughs> because of just because what what they had to do to accomplish the creation of that movie. Um, if if you ever watch Game of Death and you're not digging it, you can just skip to the ending when he has to go through all the boss battles in the big building with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like that, that boss right. battle sequence where he goes up one floor at a time is the coolest. So, uh, But otherwise, all the stuff, the motorcycle helmet and uh, the cardboard cutout, it's rough, rough that, going. That's so I'm looking forward to that. That's the if I've ever heard it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've not seen any other Bruce Lee movie. So I've never seen an actual Bruce Lee movie because Game of Death is arguably an incomplete film. So, um, <laughs> so I've never to that. seen one either. Yeah. But the way you sell it, it sounds like like a Jacques Rivette film or something like Brechtian. It's not <laughs> well, nothing like Rivette. I can cardboard see. Cardboard <laughs> If you can imagine that um, that Bruce Lee like died for the sake of the film to appear that way, then I think you can you can go towards that route. Um, <laughs> it definitely lends the film a certain uh, charm. I mean, I haven't seen it since I was fifteen, and I remember we were watching it and we took a break and went into the pool during the middle. So if you have a pool. <laughs> I recommend it. There you go. Yeah, break it up. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us saw Bruce Lee when we were 15. So uh, I, I'm actually, I am looking forward to it, see, seeing how my, my 40-something self will will react to it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, good good uh, slate coming up. So I'm, I'm pretty much all of these are going to go right in the player, except for Tokyo Olympiad, because I've seen that a couple of times. So I'll save that for a rainy day. Uh, so Lee Klein uh, was on Roger Deakins' podcast, and who knew that Roger Deakins had a podcast? Um, I don't know if that's because of COVID or what, but um, good on Deakins, uh, master masterwork of a or, or master of cinematography, um, and now he has Oscars too. So I ha- actually haven't listened to the the podcast yet, and I'm kicking myself. I'm just been. Yeah, that's a project of COVID or a product of COVID. I, I just haven't had time to... I, it's always phone calls with work people and uh, other people. So I not as many podcasts, and now I'm recording one. Uh, did you either of you happen to listen to this? No, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Will? What did he say? Tell me Tell me. Tell me all about it. <laughs> I, so I, I didn't hear it, but um, there, most of it, from what I understand, they... Um, it was mostly technical discussion, and, I, and it, which kind of makes sense with Deacons and, and Klein because they're both, you know, Klein's into film restoration, Deacons is into film presentation, and probably restoration as well. Uh, one thing that came out, and you might have seen that DVD Beaver posted something about this, and I think the source was this um, this podcast, but 
it sounds like they're they're exploring a Bollywood box and they're looking for ten films, uh, but they're they're not sure which ten films to to select. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if are you, do we have any Bollywood experts in the house? Uh, sadly, not I. No. Yeah, I'm guessing we'll know. I'm dumb. I don't I don't know anything. I I need education. I've seen a couple and. I, I, I'm interested. I, I would like to see the and and learn about the history of, of uh, you know it's a super notable film movement. I mean it's yes. Uh, so I I actually kind of like that idea. Um, see if that... I, I mean I I think this is a great way to introduce uh, a group of people like a whole uh, group of people to to the Bollywood mm-hmm. like and, a, a great access point. And there are supposedly good ones. I one I've seen is Cholet, which is kind of a it's kind of like the the Casablanca of Bollywood films, you know, everybody in India has seen Sholay. Um, but it, but it is very still Bollywood. It's just not like modern Bollywood. So, but you know, neither is Casablanca. Um, he also, as far as like titles c- confirmed, he c- he reconfirmed uh, Amaros Peros, which I think we've we've ha- had an idea is coming. Um, he also said they have the rights to the man who wasn't there, which is the um, the Coen Brothers film with uh wasn't that with billy bob thornton early in the yes which i actually liked a lot uh kind of a weird sci-fi angle uh so apparently they're trying to get that done but i, I don't know the progress um so does that uh, excite either of you either of those um the coen brothers one does i haven't seen that coen brothers film and uh, i'm always kind of hit and miss with them but like i always give them a chance um i'm not an in our two fan so i will <laughs> skip <laughs> Amaros Peros. But to those who love him, have at it. Well, thanks, Brad. What about you, Will? Uh, I think I feel the same about the Coen brothers. Um, I mean, the fact that they can have two movies in their like filmography that I feel so differently on is unusual. For like, there are very few directors that I feel like I can have that that level of disparity between how much <laughs> I can appreciate their films. Uh, this is one I haven't seen. Deacon's. Um, shot this film so oh did he i think okay. it's interesting that that came up in the in the conversation so i wonder if he would contribute to that um to that discussion um yeah and yuri too i think I've, i'll echo brad there and <laughs> um and the if the bollywood thing happens though that's like this is this is the greatest company mm-hmm, that's ever yeah. that's like a greatest yeah. entertainment company yeah. like, in existence i agree if they if if, if they're these box sets are like unlike and just whenever people forget like I I know so many friends that just don't like know what a blu-ray is or why you would buy anything Mm -hmm. and what you just have to do is like hand them like a very ugly looking studio blu-ray of a movie and then hand Mm -hmm. them a box set (laughs) yeah show them the Grand Budapest Hotel or something yeah like and be like look look how look like just look if you think that the film is 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 a film you like or worth your time if you own it this way look I'm all Mm -hmm. the you get to watch all these features and and you get to learn. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be like a great film. Like I love my my Hellraiser Scarlet Box, and <laughs> Same here. it's beautiful. And I mean, those movies aren't masterpieces, but I appreciate them so much more in this box. <laughs> well, when people come over to the house and they see my shelves, uh, well, first off, they they think, okay, this guy's crazy, um, because that's a lot of movies. But but also they're like, wow, these are really special, and they start you know picking them up and all that. So. Um, I do want to say about the man who wasn't there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't sleep on that. It's. It's kind of. Um, it's kind of like it's. It's film noir, um, but also it, it is Lynchian. Um, they're. They're. They're 
it, it's it's not like the Coen Brothers, and I, I think it's kind of special. Uh, I, I remember people did like it at the time, but it did get kind of forgotten really quickly. Uh, but I, I think that would be a very interesting release. Uh, and speaking of Lynch, I forgot to mention in, when we talked about Elephant Man, it sounds like that, that there's also a big booklet as part of that. So that's probably going to be a pretty special release. That, to your point, Will, um, you're gonna, that's one to show your friends. Okay, friends, here, here's this crappy, uh, I don't know, Kino Lost Highway disc, and then here's the Elephant Man. So, anyway. All right, so another piece of news. So I think we're we're of the opinion that Fellini 100 has a high probability of coming to Criterion. I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, one thing interesting is Fellini's Casanova was speaking of Kino is coming out from from that label. Uh, I think uh, I don't know the exact date. It must be September or so. Uh, so it could be kind of like the Serpent's Egg, which uh, I just watched on on the Bergman box set, which was not um, a standalone release, it was on Arrow Films. Um, so do, you, do you think this means anything? Are we still getting Fellini, or do we just not know? Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. we are. Okay. Alright, good. <laughs> I, I think... I, I, the, the, uh, the thing I hope is that I hope they make us, hope they can get that movie for the box set, and, then, then, and we still have a reason to buy the Kino. Because I'm glad I have Arrow's Serpent's Egg. Because it has unique stuff, and I get to look at the pretty box. It's nice. Um, I guess the keynote doesn't have as pretty boxes, but I, I want to support them too. Like I want to yeah. give them their I, piece of the yeah. pie. And I wasn't trashing them with Lost Highway, but but yeah. No, I, I Kino it does really really good work, and they are definitely should be, you know, praised for when they do great work. We had just mentioned like. Um, the uh, the African American uh, first filmmakers and mm-hmm. their oh, yeah. pioneer pioneers women yes. filmmakers these are like these are immaculate these are fantastic box sets that are you know pieces of history so when they do great work they do great work I am hoping um, that I'm hoping they have sort of a simpatico relationship with Criterion the way Arrow did with Serpent's Egg I don't know how many special new features you're going to get on Kino because they don't really do that as much Probably not as many. Arrow. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping... I know the two companies are friends. Um, oftentimes, uh, Kino releases come on the channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that they have a nice friendship um, between the two of them and we get a complete Fellini box set out of that. Yeah, and, and I haven't seen Casanova, but what I understand is it's pretty good, but it's in that post uh i'm really the post juliet of the spirits era and is kind of the crazy my, yeah that's my 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 go-to for fellini i mean i love eight <laughs> and a half and dolce vita but i really like satiricon a lot so. i do too i, I love satiricon <laughs> i think it's brilliant um so I, I, i'm actually looking forward to casanova but i wonder if maybe criterion wouldn't bid on that to release it on the, on its own kind of like Serpent's Egg which I also I rewatched and I found I kind of dug it too too I mean it's different and you have to you know what see it on its own terms um, but yeah it, it's not bad so do you like Serpent's Egg Will? oh yeah that movie's great yeah okay good yeah I was there's, there's, uh, the th- here's a secret about Amar Bergman I learned I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to being done with the box set so it means there's very few films left I probably haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Amar Bergman only has good movies. It, you're pretty much right. <laughs> I like. It's... I, I honestly, this this that box set 
I always felt this, but now that he's the filmmaker I've seen the most films from, just by virtue of that set, he's the best filmmaker ever. A Stockholm Syndrome, again. I mean, it's very literally. <laughs> Little so, well, Faro Syndrome. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm probably, I'm pretty close to the end as well. And, I, and I, the ones I have remaining, many of them I've seen and loved. So, like, Cries and Whispers is coming up. I, you know, can't wait to see that again. It's a special movie, difficult movie, but special. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he, the thing is, you can't compare everyone to Persona or Wild Strawberries or Smiles of a Summer Night or you know anything else. Seventh Seal. So okay, well let's uh, let's talk. Let's do our short takes. So we just talk about one Criterion film that we've seen lately. And uh, Brad, let's start with you. Uh, so keeping in my my COVID world theme of you know checking off the super long films <laughs> that I mentioned earlier. Um, I, my super long Criterion film that I, I checked off is the the five hour cut I think of Vim Vendors Until the End of the World, which I had never seen before, and I super dug it. Um, it's a it's like a, I would say it's a messy masterpiece. Um, we probably have all seen one of those kind of things before, where there's it's so long that like some of the rougher edges kind of get smoothed out because it really comes together in its last hour and sort of makes everything that came before worthwhile um and it had really it really delivers in its themes of uh images and uh the purpose of you know imagination versus technology and all these like really like super weighty and could be very like obscure themes that can very easily he very easily loses audience but he doesn't and i think that that's kind of a a, a miracle um, so I highly recommend this his ultimate road trip, this crazy, trippy sci-fi uh, drama that crosses across the world. I'm kind of with you. I, I didn't love it. I, I, it kind of shifts in the second half. It gets a little bonkers. Once, and... Yeah, well, once they settle in Australia, yeah. the whole thing really does pull itself together. And, it, and it's kind of, it's very an earnest film. Like, it's like she, the main character, I forget the actress's name. It's like, it's on her wavelength and she's this very free spirit, wandering the earth kind of thing. And if you're if you're not on that wavelength, I can see that it's very hard to get in this film. But if you, if you're, if you go along with her and sort of her worldview, I mm-hmm. think it's easy. Yeah, I, I, I well, I want to see it again someday, but... Again, the five hours or whatever, whatever <laughs> it's an it is, it is. Yeah, uh, Will, what do you have? Oh man! So the greatest thing ever. Um, <laughs> ever. Criterion, <laughs> Criterion, Criterion Channels, Black Lives set, which um, I believe, as far as I understand it, is now is entirely streaming for free. So far as the set in question, if you do not have Criterion Channel. CriterionChannel.com slash black hyphen lives or just Google Criterion Channel Black Lives. Mm-hmm. Some of the greatest films I've ever seen are in this set and then the rest of the set are films I've always been wanting to see or I'm glad I can now finally see or films that were in the collection that I'm glad I'm being reminded of. Um, and I will specifically highlight my personal favorite which is one of my top five films ever made. Charles Burnett's My Brother's Wedding. It's a film that, I mean, I might be the only person that's, like, standing on this hill screaming that this is the greatest (laughs) film ever, but it is amazing. There are two cuts. If you buy Milestone's um, Killer of Sheep, this film is included. Mm -hmm. Killer of Sheep is sadly not in the set, but I just think that's because of rights varieties. Um, But if 
you buy that killer of sheep, you will get both cuts of my brother's wedding. And my preference is to alternate between them each time I watch it so that the movie always retains this strange mystery of what's, what material is actually in the film. And both cuts I love. The director's cut's actually shorter, which is more recent cut, and then the original cut is about 20 minutes longer. Um, this is one of the most like mystical, strange, funny, relatable, accessible, beautiful films ever. And I, I can't stop thinking about it. Uh, there are individual moments and scenes every character is the greatest character ever in a movie <laughs> and there are some characters that appear for about 30 seconds and it's just wonderful it's it's a it's a wonderful film and there's something about charles burnett that that um and especially the films that they've collected here from him that i think is just so beautiful and i see a lot of reviews on letterbox people saying that like the dialogue can sometimes be stilted and and even amateurish and that's when i i think that they're completely missing the point um, I also want to point out a film which is the only film here that isn't in Milestone's Killer of Sheep set, which is a one-hour film called The Final Insult, which I also think is a masterpiece through and through. Which, I mean, if there's a film that is, you know, L.A. in recent decades shot on video, but the equivalent of a neorealist piece with some subversive surrealistic elements, it's this film. It's a film where documentary and... Um, a narrative intermingle and the director is sometimes talking to the documentary subjects but then in the fictional elements the fact that the director isn't participating starts to make you feel uncomfortable and that's a thing you could only achieve by just juxtaposing together it's a subconscious thing but you're wondering like how can these terrible things be happening on camera in the narrative segments when they're shot exactly like the segments when we know there's a, a person behind the camera speaking and it's a fascinating film. And also, I mean, unfairly maligned by a lot of people on Letterboxd, but a lot of people on that site seem to understand what he's after and are reading into just how dense and interesting these films are, even in the later digital era. I think Quiet is Kept is very similar. It's a, only a, a five minute short. But I'll particularly highlight The Final Insult because when it dropped off of the channel the last time it was on, I was a bit devastated because I, it's a very hard film to see. It's very rare and it's not on that set and absolutely deserves your time. And I do think improves with a bit of context. So you may want to see When It Rains, um, uh, which is sort of before. You may want to see um, Several Friends. And really the whole Charles Burnett set, which I think when that was on the channel was one of the greatest. His um, A Walk with Charles Burnett, which yeah. is a self-made Th documentary. I don't great. know if that drops off the channel or did. Um, it's still I mean, there every, now. Every, Everything else, it's on. It's in this set too, uh, which is great. Mm. And all of this is free if mm -hmm. you're not a member of the channel. There are also films by Oscar Michaud. You have Black Girl, Portrait of Jason, Black Panthers, Babylon, another masterpiece, Losing Ground, Bless Their Little Hearts, which is another, uh, uh, which uh, ha features work by Charles Burnett, but is a Billy Woodbury film. Uh, there are so many films it's a in great this collection, yeah. And they're just like they're all the greatest, and gen 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 genuinely. If mm -hmm. you if you look at this and it doesn't interest you, fuck you. <laughs> like, just, wow. just fuck you. Like, just fuck you. These are the greatest films. You did you 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 could have just written lives as the title, <laughs> and it would it would I was like yeah that's a great fucking right. bunch of lives right there. It is. Yeah. Um, and well. it's free to watch. So if you if you don't capitalize on this now and watch these films and and understand that especially you know we're three white guys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the more we can we can do to 
help champion black voices in cinema and encourage totally. people to see these films. The, the, the fact that you look at, when you go on Letterboxd and see that something's like the, the Avengers has 380 million views <laughs> and then, you know, Daughters of the Dust doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's very sad and stupid. Yes. And and you realize how much um, how much systemic racism has prevented these some of these films from even being seen. I mean, we, we mention these all the time. Like Babylon mm-hmm. is considered like a rescued classic, you know. And that, that's not that's not by a, a black director, but but as a film about say um, living in Brixton, which is a, a community I dearly love in London. Um, it's a beautiful beautiful film. By the way, Babylon, I recommend watching it. Um, without subtitles and letting letting yourself appreciate a community for for how it exists and not trying to like let let it let it speak for itself it's very easy to be afraid i mean people feel the same way about like kess or you know films with yorkshire accents mm-hmm. so i think that sometimes if you if you submit to the the energy of the film if you want to watch it with subtitles first fine but you should try a film like that and let those people speak to you in in their own way without uh with as few barriers as possible yeah it's a great collection it's really remarkable films here and yeah black lives matter black films matter watch them we should we should uh, elevate black filmmakers and i hope hope that that's uh, continuing uh, also um i haven't seen it yet but we're gonna watch it s- someday soon um just mercy is free to rent on amazon there's actually a lot of uh you know recent um films that are free to rent on Amazon or Amazon iTunes I think wherever you go to rent movies so so take advantage of that there's there's some yes. great great films I don't Kino, know if... Kino Lorber has a King a filmed record which is a three-hour documentary mm-hmm. of uh, Martin Luther King uh, from 1970 and that three hours alone shows you direct footage primary sources of the shit that we were misinformed about in school Wow. Like the, 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 the things that t- in my public school education were bullet points that weren't properly explained can be shown in a documentary like that. And that's that's essential viewing. And on Kino, Kino's website, uh, so, so thankful for all the folks that are making making mm-hmm. this stuff free because it's make, it really you does make a difference. It. And you, you see these films blowing up in, in views and discussion all of a sudden because yep. pe- people have no barrier to see them. Mm. So, well, on that note, I'm I'm pivoting over to to uh, an old white guy who's dead, uh, and that's uh, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, so I, I I'll be brief here because I don't want to uh, take too much away from Will's point. So yeah, just Black Lives Matter, and um, and in fact my my short my piece of flair is a little bit in that vein. Um, but I'm City Lights. I rewatched it. Uh, it was my first time watching the the Criterion disc. Probably my first time seeing it in about ten years. And of course, I love Chaplin. I think you know who who on this show doesn't. He's hard not to love. Um, and this is widely regarded as his best film, I think, by a lot of people. You know, it's between this, The Gold Rush, and Modern Times. I think generally in that order. Um, personally, I think Modern Times. I, I've, having seen the majority of his work, I think uh, that's that's my favorite. But City Lights is really special, and it's funny, but it just it's it just proves that. Chaplin had so much heart, and there's a genuine, uh, I, I guess, romanticism within this film. And so it's kind of contrasted. I've been watching a lot of Keaton this year. So, uh, you know, Keaton's by far my, my it's going to be on my letterbox, uh, my biggest actor or director, because I watched all the shorts. And he also has a little bit of romance. You know, there's always a, a, a female figure, but it's different. 
it's a different aesthetic and uh, and neither's neither's wrong uh, it's just that they they capture uh, a different essence but um but yeah city lights is a beautiful movie has one of my favorite silent movie endings of all time and agreed uh, check it out so uh yeah piece of flair so we're done with the criterion stuff just talk about the stuff that's not criterion that we're digging so um what do you got brad uh, so, uh, the month of June has kind of become the, like, Shinya Sugamato month all of a sudden. So, I'm um, like, <laughs> it was like a year and a half ago, I remember he had visited Criterion's office and they, like, took a Polaroid of him. Oh, yeah! And, and yeah, and then I was like, oh my god, uh, like, Asian extreme, uh, films, like, Japanese, like, uh, J-horror films are usually not Criterion's forte, but I was like, is Tetsu the Iron Man coming to the collection? I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> so I kept putting it on like the polls. Um, <laughs> oh, that was you? It, that was me. Yes, yes. Guilty. Um, <laughs> but it turns out Tetsu uh, the Iron Man is not coming from Criterion Collection, but it is coming from Arrow. Um, so Arrow just released, they're calling it the Solid Metal Nightmares, which is this massive box set of, a, is it one, two, three, four, five, six, six of his movies? Um, all of a sudden, so we went from like no Tsukamoto on uh, you know North America Blu-ray to like a whole bunch of Tsukamoto. So it's uh, dive in. I haven't yet dived into it. I just got it, but I love Tetsu the Iron Man. It's uh, yes, it's gory. It's very intense. It's wonderfully deranged. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and in tandem to that, um, the company Mondo Macabro, um, Macabro, Macabro. Um, they uh, release really great special editions of just the wildest cult films you'll ever see. And they are also releasing uh, a Shinya Tsukamoto film. Their release is Gemini. And um, it was uh, the limited edition red case was on sale uh, for the month of June. That's gone sold out, but they are releasing it like a regular version for stores, for Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all of them that you can pick up. So... Um, if you haven't checked out any of his work, go uh, feel free. Please do so. It's it's a lot of fun. So I, I, I have a question. Um, I, sure. I have the set, and it's uh, it's actually right within uh, six feet of me right now. Um, so so I'm, I'm one of those dorky, annoying guys that likes to wait until October to watch as many horror films as possible, just because I and I and I can never find enough because I've seen a lot of movies in my life. So would you would you say that he's like art horror and like I could watch him today or should is he like more appropriate for October? Um, I, I would say he's art art horror definitely. So should, um, I, should I just put it in now and just get it over with? Yeah, go for it. Like I would say like Tetsu the Iron Man, which is sort of his most well known one, is a gorier eraser head. I mean, I'm probably okay. not doing that justice, sure. but. Um, but yeah, it's not horror in this sort of like more conventional like when well, we want our sco- you know spooky Halloween type of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah, it's it's very art house, um, and even like the later stuff. I haven't seen Killing, but uh, his film called Killing. But it's um it's like a, a inverted samurai film. So I'm not even sure it's in the realm of horror. Uh, it sounds to me that it's it's um. I forget what the what they call those genre the the like bit of samurai cyberpunk play. or something or no killing it, it like a traditional it's a traditional like 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 Kurosawa samurai oh okay. uh, Jidai Geki yes that's okay. the word I'm looking Good. for thank you <laughs> <laughs> thanks Will. also also if it's sword play it's a chanbara 
Tom Brown. Look yes. at Will. I think they're wow. playing. Yeah. Just pulling that out. I know. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> uh, you got, got to watch a lot of commentary tracks, man. <laughs> you sure do. So, Will, on that note, what's your piece of flair? What, what are you doing? You know what? Oh, man. Brad's killing it, though. That that Tsukamoto stuff is amazing. Tetsuo is a film that I saw, <laughs> again, like I was like 15, and I love <laughs> it so much. Uh, it, yeah, I think Can't the Razorhead comparison is fair. I mean, it's his breakthrough feature, black and white feature as well. Some of the, uh, the short films that sort of relate to it, that sort of anticipate it, make a lot of sense in building him to that point. Um, and I love him as an actor. I think, I mean, he, he contributed his own uh, semen for Ichi the Killer, which I think <laughs> is... Well, it's, it's actually Ichi's uh, semen, but yes. he is also in the movie. And it makes up the title card, I believe. That's right. It? It's, it's yes. exactly right. I um, love Ichi the Killer so much. <laughs> it, me, me too. Me too. So, um, so I love this guy, and I'm and I ha- I also ordered the Gemini and uh, the Gemini release, and I'm excited for that to come in and the box sets now here. So I'm looking forward to seeing all these films that I don't know, and can finally understand who this guy is. Because yeah, another another release that, like just has been desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my um, what are we doing? What is this called? Piece uh, of flair. Yeah. Just, piece of flair. Just just stuff. <laughs> My piece of flair uh, is, oh, you know what? I think I fucked this up. I think my piece, <laughs> my, what? This is my second thing I'm going to talk about. Okay, so that's fair. It's, it's the special features for Do the Right Thing. Oh. And, um, we we saw a big burst uh, as the protests began um, after Joy Flo- George Floyd's murder, of people referring to Do the Right Thing and watching it. A lot of them for the first time. And I want to point out that I was miseducated by, about this film when we watched it in film studies in 11th grade. Um, a very important point that Spike Lee has made is that, um, I guess if you have not seen the film, don't listen for 20 seconds. Um, <laughs> whether that whether or not Mookie does the right thing is only a question mm-hmm. that the white audiences have ever asked Spike. Totally. And my white school in Long Island, the teacher who showed it was like, so what do you think? Did Mookie do the right thing? And everybody in the class you know, had had differing opinions, but would say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he shouldn't have resorted to that type of violence. I watched the film on June 1st for the first time since then. And in watching the film and watching that moment, I completely understood that it's the absolute right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I And I felt so betrayed by that teacher because she led the class to water in a way that I think now clearly is racist and like mm-hmm. misunderstood the film. So it's so important to, 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 one, allow films to speak for themselves and not tell children what they're about sometimes. Uh, I mean, unless the film is racist, so we got to tell kids, Gone with the Wind, not right. Birth of a Nation, yeah. Um, but Do the Right Things release, this is the first time I, I cracked it open and, and watched, I watched every minute on the, on the set over like three days. It's the, it could be my favorite single film release Criterion has ever put out, but I want to highlight a few special features. One, the audio commentary which was recorded only like 1995. And um, the things that, that Spike and Joao Lee, Ernest Dickerson, cinematographer, Wynn Thomas, uh, say when they relate to the politics that relate to what's happening today and has happened for years and years since is astounding and terrifying, but also beautiful to, to, to see to see the... the Basically, my reaction after watching the film was to write down as many things I could find from these special features that I wanted to just immortalize and have and be able to share with people because 
the film says so much, but these features also say just as much. I would give them all five star, you know, raves if I could. But the commentary, especially, um, the documentary about the making of Do the Right Thing, which is by Sinclair Bourne, but relates a lot to the community um, of Bedford Stuyvesant and the block on which mm -hmm. the film yeah, was completely was shot. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's incredible to see like the positive and negative effects that the filming had on the actual community, and that even though this is still a Hollywood-backed film, and that there's still going to be some downsides. I also love, 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 love the the con press conference, mm -hmm. where everybody's asking the dumbest questions, <laughs> and Spike is so fuck, is fucking them up. Yeah, because they're at. I mean, they they have. This is the summer where everybody's like, this this is going to be riots in New York because of this film. And it's the way Spike tears everyone up, and he just destroys all of their arguments. It's like this is these are arguments I'm hearing day to day about mm -hmm. stuff, and I just just, be like, just watch that con press conference even. And there's a moment in it, Roger Ebert. You hear him. You don't see him, but you hear he he, he almost speaks. And the the uh, panel guys like Mr. Ebert. Do you want to say anyone? You hear him go, No, 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 thank you. And I know Roger Good Ebert has said that like he. He left that. It was the first time it was ever shown. Was that day? So he had just left the screening. He had said in tears, and another source. And I just love the fact that he's like, you know what? I'm gonna shut up because yeah. I I'm re reeling from this experience, mm -hmm. and everybody else in this room is cross-examining Spike Lee about like how violent the film is. And uh, I also recommend the modern day um, interview with a number of people um, about the film's political impact today, mm -hmm. and. Finally, Spike's Last Word, which is an old feature where he just reads reviews from the time of the film that seem to think that the value of property surpasses the value of a human life. And that's something that's astonishing that, how that's, relevant that, that is. That is it's, totally, it's, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Mookie's. So, so I, I mean, I've been, I mean, Spike, Spike's, I think, one of our greatest living filmmakers. And, uh, watching some things lately, I know I know that's coming up in about two seconds, Aaron. So I won't I won't, I won't steal your thunder, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, um, he had his he had his interview with with um, a Snoop Dogg on Instagram the other day, which was amazing. I'm joining his Zoom call at eight o'clock to talk about the new film. Nice. Um, so there's so many things he's been saying. You know, trying to suppress words like riot in the media mm -hmm. um, and say uprising instead and frame things differently. I was I was born on the day that. The Rodney King beating happened, wow. and that's always been the way that my birth was framed to me by people. And I am disgusted at like the way that people would talk about that particular event. And I'm glad of features like this that can help educate me as to why I felt so disgusted by the way, like I would hear people talk about the quote L.A. riots mm -hmm. because you... I was born on a day when that was incited Have or seen... was this cause of it. Sorry, have you seen Malcolm X? Um, it's, I'm, I'm waiting to see it. It's, I'm sort of wow. building towards that. I've seen, I think, 21 Spike films, including performance documentaries, documentaries, and features. Um, but I'm kind it's, of working those, a, a curious route. The, Rod, the Rodney King um, and the way he... I mean, it's it's sort of much the similar way he did with Black Klansman, where like the, the footage of the Rodney King beating and in uh, its aftermath, it's all weaven into the the story of Malcolm X. Yeah. So well, it's uh, kind of like uh, Five Bloods, too. Yes. Um, he, yeah. that's, he's, he's great, and I think that him having that experience with documentary filmmaking really throughout his career 
has really informed his fiction, his narrative. And oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, the, the film, I mean, I think maybe his great, my favorite Spike Lee film is probably School Days, but I think the most important one is probably Do the Right Thing. And then mm-hmm. the best one is Four Little Girls. Um, I, which if you that. haven't seen Four Little Girls, it's on HBO Go. If you have, or now, I, I or do. whatever the I one, do. whatever the one is, the new one. HBO, you have it. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you have the, if you, it's like you don't have to pay for it or nothing. It's just on HBO. Um, again, a documentary that when I saw it, I realized how miseducated I was. Um, someone succinctly addressed it. They basically said, "This is how textbooks treat race. Mm-hmm. They go, there was slavery, but Abraham Lincoln fixed it." Later on, people wanted to sit at the same counters as people. Martin Luther King wanted to fix it. Malcolm X also did, but he was too mean about it. Then somebody shot Martin Luther King, but fortunately he was the last racist and they put him in jail at the end. Boy. And that's how we yeah. get taught this. Yeah. And watching a film like Four Little Girls, you understand that um, the violence against the black community in that particular film, the bombing that led to the death of Four Little Girls, was not just some members of the Ku Klux Klan, but it is a part of a system which includes the natives of the town, the individuals in the town, the police, the Ku Klux Klan, many of whom were police members, the local commissioner, Bull, who was uh, a racist and would beat people up, and the mayor and the governor and the national government. Every element of that is the reason that people are getting killed. And so Four Little Girls is my other thing. Uh, I'm going to pass this to you, Aaron, now, because you're going to talk about my favorite film of the year. I'm just hypnotized. I'm loving this. I, this we could go on for hours. Um, mm-hmm. I, although I, mean, I, I, I know I'll, you have an eight o'clock, but <laughs> well, there's there's so much. I mean, you can also see Roger Gwynver Smith's uh, solo shows. He's a Spike Lee regular. Appears in Get on the Bus, Do the Right Thing, a number of other films. He has solo shows as Huey P. Newton and Rodney King, which are on Amazon and Netflix respectively. Mm-hmm. That are must sees. Also, Passover, which is on Amazon. Uh, I mean. You there's also the ladies to... uh, at the his, yes his those Katrina. are on HBO yeah both a, Katrina the, documentaries yeah, on HBO it's really really I love good when the ladies broke really good it's a great documentary so you got and, and it's not it... just about those the the rain no, it's right, it's about right, the culture yeah. and how it impacts yep. so yeah no Spike is a living legend and I love the man in fact I I'm, I'm kind of thinking may, we need to have an episode on Spike Lee uh, so... I love Chirac that's a great film oh it's amazing I mean I, it's yeah. to me that no filmmaker can do a musical since shocked to me like spike lee can. <laughs> and just the way that the way or the way that like, a musical doesn't have to be the predominant genre of a musical film in that like the film doesn't the, the, people sometimes call us films messy and i think that's in, sometimes entirely the point just because of how many themes and things that need to be incorporated for the film to work i love and, shire and even like mm. a, on a on a formal level he's always uh, uh weaving in like greek theater and oh, the, yeah. Yeah. the elements of it as well. So, totally. like, even from, from a formalist perspective, like, he, he's still... It's amazing. He, yeah, amazing. And, and, and I know we've been talking so much and sharing our views, but I want to make one other recommendation, which is that if you find a film, especially a film by a black filmmaker, really speaks to you about what's going on today, consider when you post on Letterboxd or Facebook, sharing a way to see the film and trying to keep... I'm speaking specifically to our white viewers, yeah. listeners. Keep your thoughts to as much of a minimum as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, or put that, make them, you know, the the sub the subline. Put them in the comments. Mm-hmm. Put them below. Try to and try to make the direct link to the material itself as important as possible. And if your review wouldn't be five stars, maybe don't put a star rating, because I think we'd all agree that if the film had a message in it though that you think would help potentially save lives or change opinions mm-hmm. try to give it the biggest platform you could possibly give it without getting without putting yourself in the way 
of the material. You are right on. Um, we're recording this on June twentieth, uh, and yesterday was Juneteenth, and uh, so I, I saw some really really bad messages yesterday and really really righteous messages, but those don't need to come from white people. So as it's, it's, as it's a white true. person, I did not. Yeah, it's not my 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 time. And as as uh, so, I Roger Ebert, you mentioned uh, a couple minutes ago, his take on do the right thing. Sometimes as a white man, you you need to learn to just shut the fuck up, right? And and when and, to and, shut the fuck up. And, and that's this why is, Ebert was great. Yeah. <laughs> so and everybody yeah, else the cons everybody's everybody has their flaws, but yeah, he was pretty. It was his birthday the other day too. True. So True. I guess I'll I'll cap that. This is still my piece of flair. Uh, so before we go on. <laughs> That that the those special features in question are just such a, a all those quotes I was transcribing. I mean, mm-hmm. if, by the way, if anybody needs any any particular oppressed voices, uh, words, videos transcribed or subtitled, I am please send them to me. I will do it for free. I want to. I, this is something I can at least do and spend time with. But I don't need to share my opinions if I can keep like if I can be the the, the first person to to have typed up a certain quote by say uh, a black filmmaker that relates to um, racial injustice that will be useful for people to read mm-hmm. and just sharing that alone is so much more valuable than a like a nine paragraph grandstanding about how you finally understand your privilege yeah so yeah, yeah. so and, like, and maybe that quote should be the review uh, you know that's all that well that's what i've been doing on letterbox as much as i can um just to just because I, I was reading so many do the right thing reviews at the beginning of june that were just like finally saw do the right thing wow says a lot about movies great cinematography black lives matter and i'm like why the fuck did you end with that <laughs> it's fuck yeah, you it's 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 not wrong yeah, it, and by the way it, like four has, star review and not five right so, right so get get out get out of here Aaron, take it away. Not well. You you kind of um, um, teed it up for me. So I was going to talk about the the, the five bloods, uh, which I'm still processing. And I did put a star rating, and it was not five stars. So so I might rect- I might rectify that before we finish recording because you're right. This is not a film that needs to be evaluated like that. Um, and and I think it's always special when uh, Spike Lee makes a film. My approach to this film is a little different, and this is not a white privilege thing. But um, it just so happens that my dad went to Vietnam. Uh, like a lot of dads, and my dad then, um, you know, worked it throughout his career, ha- retired, and then took another job where he was able to go back to Vietnam, and he lived there for about three years. So, um, and I didn't. I was, you know, it's tough to get to Vietnam. It's now it's impossible, but uh, even then, it's like three weeks just to deal with the airfare and have a little time there. So, um, so I was able to see a little bit through his eyes. But I also cannot see, you know, and again, that's my my white privilege. Um, I can't not see through these people's eyes. But um, but really, I, the film is great. You have to see it. Uh, it's it's really special and unique, and it's uh, it's about brotherhood and camaraderie, and it's special. It's moving. Um, and then, as I mentioned, with uh, you know, his documentary filmmaking, you know, he weaves that in at the appropriate time and kind of punctuates it with everything. And I kind of I wonder if he did that. You know, if he did some last-minute editing because it was really poignant. But I have the answer to that, Aaron. Okay, give it to me. Uh, it, uh, he said he said this to Snoop and in a few other sources. It was the, the material regarding Black Lives Matter in the film was the first thing shot for the film. Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah, I mean, because be, because so, I, it's it's always been there. I mean, it's always been you're right. It's always been part of the consciousness. Right. And uh, uh, yeah, it's that's an incredible question. But I think that that I was 
blown away and, and actually kind of loved the answer that that was always there. So my, my actual piece of flair is not the movie, but it is Delroy Lindo, who I think gave the performance of his life. I, I, I would have to go back to his body of work. I mean, he's been in a lot of things, a lot of movies, and he's, he's one of those... He's always reliable. He's always good. Mm-hmm. Um, he took it to another level, and um, and he plays a Trump. Uh, he, he wears a MAGA hat, uh, but it's not. It's hard. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it. But it's. I haven't seen it yet. Okay, so so yeah. I'll just say that he he's not like as we're writing this. There's a rally in Tulsa that's a big big deal, a Trump rally. He, he it's it's not going to like be, be what you'd expect to hear about that, you know, or, or hear from from people that go to that it's it's actually it's it's you kind of see it through his character development you know the way he comes to be and he um he does he does a lot of great things with the material but there's this one segment and uh, and i don't even i haven't really read much about the movie so i don't know if this is being talked about but he does this monologue um so i don't know how much how much time it was it felt like about maybe five minutes i don't know how how many pages of dialogue it was but man, it was just, it just hits you, and uh, and it, and it was amazing, and um, and I, I really think it's you know I hope that the COVID allows for Oscars, and I hope and I, he would because he has the most screen time. It's really an ensemble movie, so it's tough to divide supporting and leads. But man, he needs to win some trophies for this. Uh, I I I don't like Oscars. I I mean I watch them and I I vote or I you know, predict or whatever, but. Sub, art subjective, so it, it feels weird ranking some over others. But I, his performance really spoke to me. So watch the movie; it's on it's on Netflix, and pretty much everybody has Netflix now. But really, pay attention to Mr. Lindo; uh, he he's, gives a clinic. And Will, uh, since I know you you've been um, absorbed in the movie, I hope you agree. I oh my god! Well, this I've been thrilled to see how the unanimous praise has been for his performance in, in this movie so if we if we do just talk about like craft as film fans this is this is something else mm-hmm. this is really like a career making performance for for anybody let alone somebody who who's really sort of deserved for a long time their career making performance yep. <laughs> and I recommend very much um, anytime uh, a spike film is discussed on sway in the morning uh, which you can go find on YouTube is Sway's Universe, um, because again, a, another instance where you have to go to the like a black media source to get anything that's resembling like truth right. and insight. Because the, I've watched every interview I can find about Defy Blitz in the past week, um, and of course, some of them are five-minute puff pieces, and then some of them are thirty mm-hmm. minutes of interview. And guess which sources are providing thirty minutes of interview? Mm-hmm. Which generally are, are have more views than anything, which I love. Um, and Sway's Sway in the Morning is a really important and, and great show. But both Delroy and Spike were on it. Were on Sway's Universe, which you can you Google those or really anytime you see a Spike Lee movie before you you write your review, watch some interviews with Spike about the movie because it tends to completely crystallize entirely whatever you were thinking about the movie in interesting ways. And is a director that I, I want to. Like, I, I want to know everything that's going on in his head because there's clearly so much there and mm-hmm. so so many genius decisions being done and decisions people are kind of misunderstanding or, or shifting to the side. So I recommend the Delroy Lindo interview and the Spike Lee interview on Sway's, Sway in the Morning and really any other source you can find. You can see the Snoop Dogg Spike Lee interview. It's in Spike Lee's Instagram page. 
Um, it's about 45 minutes, and the first three minutes, when Spike's yelling at his like intern or PA who can't get the <laughs> thing set up right, it's, it's beautiful. Um, so uh, yeah, this film's amazing. I I stayed up to watch it at 3 a.m. when it dropped on Netflix. Yeah, wow. And uh, and and there was something really beautiful about this long film about the sun coming up like in the last mm-hmm. 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was just like a haunting experience. I'll remember that first viewing for the rest of my life. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a second pretty soon. So um, yeah, I, I I'm definitely gonna put Spike Lee in the title of this show. Uh, he he's he's a master. So um, and I'm gonna go um watch Four Little Girls very very soon. I I, I did a pony up for, for uh, HBO Max. Is it so? So I know it's there waiting for me. So wow, uh, it's tough to end on that note, but we have to end. So <laughs> I, I almost hate to ask because, but this is important too. Uh, so where can we find you online, Brad? Um, so you can find me on the Criterion Now, uh, Criterion Reflections, uh, Criterion Channel Surfing, and the uh, Criterion Casting. I can't remember. Um, the, the Facebook groups. <laughs> you can find me there. I'm usually posting stuff, uh, starting chats up about releases. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Brad McD. That's usually where I post um, like my art my uh, oh, cool. art stuff um, and you can read my Letterboxd reviews on on also Mr. Brad McDee on Letterboxd so yeah that's where you can find me alright Mr. Remmers where are you at uh, yeah I think Letterboxd is good Will Remmers on Letterboxd is a good place to find me uh, I'll write a, a list something post about something everything I see so I like to see things so you can find me there uh, that's probably the best place right now so just my name Will Remmers all one word I like to see things too, and uh, so I'm on Letterbox uh, DSNT. I don't ask um, where that came from, but that's my name on Letterbox. Um, you can find the show on uh, on Twitter AWS505. Uh, yeah, Twitter is something. Um, you can find the show. Hate it. <laughs> social media. I don't know. Yeah. So you can just find us. Facebook groups are actually okay. We we have our little bubble, so I'm okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can find the show at Criterion Cast, uh, the Criterion Cast Master Feed. I want to give a shout out to David and Trevor who have a new show coming up about Criterion box sets, which boy they're getting some material this year. Um, support the Criterion Patreon or the Criterion Cast Patreon. That's where you get the, now get the unedited episodes like this one. Um, so you'll probably get about, get about twenty more minutes, maybe fifteen, of us talking about uh, Scorsese, <laughs> pretty much. And uh, and and also panel interviews, and yeah, and uh, and and just yeah, be be good to each other. That's the most important thing. Don't be a dick. Yes, I agree. All right, thanks, and guys. Black lives matter. <laughs> Black lives do matter. Yes. <laughs>